Welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought, a monthly podcast that features informal chat from the Kineo team about all things learning. I'm Paul Wesley, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today, now that the dust has finally settled, we're taking a look back at Learning Technologies 2019. Today, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Pete May, Learning Platforms Consultant, Steve McKenzie, Solutions Consultant. And Monica Vojtanovic, the LMS consultant. Well, thanks all and welcome. So uh, we're going to talk about Learning Technologies 2019, as I said, but for full disclosure, I maybe should start by saying, whilst you lovely folks were there and uh, working on our stand and having a walk around looking at LearnTech, I was fortunate enough to be away skiing with the family. So uh, for me, this is an interesting one because I'm interested to see what you saw and more importantly, what I missed. So I think the big thing to start with is um, a change in location this year. Yes, it was the first year that Learning Technologies was at the Excel Centre over in Docklands and a move for away from Olympia. Uh, so very much of a larger venue, much more space for everybody, for the exhibitors and for those attending. So I think that was very welcome. Well, it was just an opportunity for stands to get even more ridiculously <laughs> large, wasn't it? There was certainly, <laughs> I think some people took full advantage of that <laughs> and uh, made their stands even larger. But I think it was a much more comfortable venue this year with people with plenty of space to move around and I think um, we happen to be near the the entrance so that was good location a bit of fresh air coming into the venue too. And, and still keeping with the same format though of an exhibition open to the public and then you've got the conferences upstairs I'm assuming. That's right yeah the conference was still upstairs as it worked out <laughs> same as Olympia um, but it, it was a, it's a format that works extremely well so people can go to the conference and then between the various presentations they come down on the exhibition floor. I guess the obvious first question then is um, what, what did I miss? What, what was cool? What, what really uh, piqued your interest? I think uh, there was probably a lot less talk about learning ecosystems um, but perhaps more of people taking stock and understanding a little bit more about all of the tools and components that that would go into that ecosystem and trying to, to do that really well. So ecosystem was very much the buzzword of last year. Um, and, and is it fair to say we're now getting people thinking about, okay, what does that actually mean for my business rather than just banding around a buzzword? I'm not so sure that many people are completely comfortable about using the word or the phrase learning ecosystem yet, but they're certainly very focused on getting the most from the resources that they have and seeing how they might meet the very big demands in their business, really. I feel like ecosystems, the new ecosystems is LXP, or learning experience platforms, which, which I think responds to the market around maybe not understanding exactly what ecosystems was all about, but learning exper- learner experience, we can all get behind and understand that. And, and was that um, someone pushing like a, an all-in-one solution again, or were they the extra bits that add on to that ecosystem to give an overall learner experience? I think it was more talking about the capability that each of those systems gives you rather than the physical system itself. Interesting. Which was, which was great because it makes it so much more clear what it is that we're aiming for, which is satisfying the learner. I think people have had some experience using different systems now. They've experimented with different things on the marketplace. And now they're really trying to 
decide how they're going to put that into a cohesive solution, really, to meet evolving needs within their business. So, Pete, you said you saw um, some elements that you think fit into an ecosystem. So is there anything in particular that that springs to mind that, that, you know, maybe you haven't seen before or you think might be a really nice fit for people? Well, I think... I wouldn't say I hadn't seen it before, but I saw a lot of kind of curated content libraries, again, all tied in with the kind of learner experience platforms, and a lot of people talking about how they're able to tailor a learning path to specific learners' needs rather than just having, okay, I've got to do my compliance training this year, I better log on to the LMS, and actually trying to engage learners with the content, go and find content, have AI that actually is able to say, well, you've looked at this before, how about this? Do you want to look at that? And I thought that was really intriguing. So recommendation engines, um, again, using AI to say, you know, you've looked at this or so-and-so thinks this might be useful um, and pushing that content. So is that content that's already already exists in the marketplace, if you like. So is it fair to say you saw a move away from content creation and more towards the curation that we've been talking about? Absolutely, yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of smaller companies, um, or startup companies, should I say, that are just trying to be really good at what they do rather than trying to be a master of everything. Oh, yeah. In the last few years, actually, in, in learning tech, you see that there is much more. People are doing a lot of the same thing, but they're focusing on specific approaches for either a, a vertical or an industry or a type of learner. And you have a huge choice, um, really, of apples and apples that you can you can judge one solution over another and a specific a specific approach that someone may have for, to solve a certain business challenge. Yeah, I, I think, obviously... Having not gone to this year's show, obviously I can't speak for it, but from previous years, I think one of the things I used to like to do was go away from the maybe the massive stands, some of the behemoth stands, and, and look at some of those smaller companies, dare I say, around the edge, or startups, a nice way of putting it, you're absolutely right, who are looking at one specific problem that maybe they're trying to solve. So do we see any companies doing that this year? I think a lot of what you saw was quite gimmicky as well. So a lot around entertaining learners, a lot sort of Netflix-like style platforms and and VR type of things to really engage people. I'm not so sure if, if it was just for learn tech that you want to be remembered as the stand that did VR and had Oculus there or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there was... It's very memorable, the different the different stalls that I went to. People are definitely working on differentiating themselves one from another. And that, that's quite an interesting approach in itself, isn't it? It sounds to me like the people are almost starting to say we need to match what people are already doing at home anyway. So people are using AR and chatbots and all the rest of its stuff at home and then maybe we're starting to see more of that coming to industry. And we've been talking about this for a number of years, Steve, haven't we, where it's almost us catching up? I think so, but but people are very budget conscious. I think that was yep. something else that came out very strongly at the show, that people are thinking, well, I've got a fixed budget or it's not even been approved, I'm getting ideas, but I've got to put together a very persuasive business case to secure the funding I need. I think also sitting space was very popular this year. Everyone seemed to have areas for people to sit down and chat through. Um, And I think that must respond to what we all feel, that your legs are are tired at the end of the day. (laughs) You've got more more space at least. I mean, um, some of the feedback, obviously, I've been reading a few articles since um, since, since coming back of holiday and and about how the show went. But one of the things that um, maybe wasn't such a a positive thing is that most of the, or I'd say a lot of the vendors now are almost doing their own demos 
shows on their own stands rather than it used to be the breakout areas like the, the theatre areas, right? I'm assuming we've still got those at, uh, at an XL. So surely it just becomes a, a wall of noise, doesn't it, where we're almost competing with each other? I'm afraid so. <laughs> yes, it, it was. Uh, who could speak the loudest uh, on occasions, I think, and it did become uh, quite disruptive. You could be on one stand on one area and then really hear broadcast from quite far away and I think people are trying to outdo each other in terms of volume, definitely. And, and do you think that's something the um, organisers maybe look, need to look at for future leaders then? I, I, th- I think so. It was difficult to have some conversations, really, with some of our clients who are softly spoken. Uh, they couldn't really hear clearly what was, what was being said on, on the stand. So we were almost looking for a quiet area on the stand, away from some of this, this bombardment of sound. Well, I understand we had almost a quiet area. So tell me about the green box, Steve, on, oh, uh, on the Kenyo stand in particular, which is maybe, again, uh, a different way of looking at things or trying to offer a, a, something different to the clients or give them a different view of maybe the work we do. Yes, very much so. The idea of the green box was that we had a space where we could demo a fictitious project being put together by our, a global art director uh, and his team. And it worked extremely well because there were a lot of people coming in and, and they wanted to know a little bit more about us the, the Kineo experience, so we were able to direct them to this, this space where a project was being developed and they could see firsthand some of the designs and the thinking that goes into creating a project. Yeah, and I think maybe sometimes we need to look at those little differentiators, you know, what, what are we doing differently? Because, again, Monica, is it fair to say you saw a lot of people doing the same thing again, like previous years? I think the, tech, the underpinning technology seems to be the same, it's just the approach that, that changes from one from one provider to another. Okay, and we've talked a lot about um, very much the platform side of things. So, Pete, you're saying about the ecosystems, and obviously, you know, Monica, you just said the same. But did you see anything from maybe a, a content um, perspective that, that that we found maybe different or interesting or a different way of working? No. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. No, 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 we didn't. Uh, okay, cool. Um, right, we'll, we'll scrap that bit. So we talked a lot about um, the, the platforms, um, and it seems to be a lot of push towards platforms. I don't know if that's to do with uh, maybe a lot of our um, clients are now writing content in-house. So, you know, in previous years we've seen a move towards, well, we can do a lot of this in-house. Let's see which bits we can't do, and let's use a vendor for that. Um, and again, I was reading an article about um, there seems to be a, a big push towards uh, space repetition at the moment, and... Um, I know there were a couple of vendors there that had like, apps that literally were just for that one sort of thing, which in, in a way is a, it's a good thing, right? So, you know, if someone's got content, maybe they're writing in-house or maybe someone's got a platform, but the bit that's missing is this one thing about maybe I need an app to, for people to test and embed that and learning, that sort of stuff. So I think it was quite nice to hear that there were vendors there that just identified one problem and do a really nice job of, of, of solve, solving that problem. And again, I think that's the, the guys around the outside, yeah? Um, and uh, again, one of the other things that came up was, um, I can't remember off the top of my head the, the, the company name, but I'm sure we can put it in, in the show notes. But it was an idea of almost using AI to be watching what someone's doing on, the, on a platform. Um, and then if it's aware that they're struggling. So, for example, if they're struggling with a, a formula in Excel, you know, going off in the background and coming back and saying, well, actually, I found this clip and this bit of learning do you want me to help you with writing that formula? I mean, that sounds fantastic, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know that one particularly, but it was incredible how the how creative people have become. As you say, there were a number of 
potential vendors uh, around the outside of, of the hall. And they were very niche in those areas. I think the challenge really for consumers, though, is just making sense of all this. How do you, how do you find that? Do you, how do you even know that somebody's working on that? Uh, and publicising, you know, publishing that sort of uh, information or making it available, there's a solution there. And I think that's the difficulty for people uh, as consumers, you know, to, to even know what's out there. Yeah, and I think it's, it's difficult to kind of try and move away from this content library approach where you just have streams and streams of content that makes it difficult for the learner to find and actually have something that's saying, here's what we think you should, what you should be looking at given what you've done before. Uh, I saw a vendor who was doing nano learning, which was the... Oh, this is that the next step on micro-learning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're just getting smaller it was, and smaller, right? next one, yeah. <laughs> Maybe like two lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's 20-second videos. Oh, oh and, and they used the Excel formula as an example. They said, if you're at home and you're trying to do an Excel formula for your home budget, you go to Google, how do I do it? It takes 20 seconds. You yeah. don't need five minutes of content to do that. No. And so they were presenting these 20-second clips... It would just get you to, you know. Yeah, you don't don't need need to know the background of you know why it's doing. I I, I do that sort of thing all the time if I'm editing a podcast or or, or a video, you know. And it's a maybe it's a, a setting that I've not used for a while. I know where it is. I know it's there somewhere. I know it's capable of doing it. But you're absolutely right. I want to see a two second video or a ten second video that says, "Click on this, do this, do that," and, and it answers that question for me. But Steve, for me. Um, working on the stand perspective, maybe you can take us through. What the clients were asking you about, and what, you know, rather than what you saw. So, what 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 was the, what was the general public? You know, what were they after? Well, a whole range a range of different things. Many of the things we've talked about, but also we had people who were very new to it, and and perhaps the organisation was taking digital training seriously for the first time, or coming with a requirement to. Well, where do I start? How do I actually so the change behaviour? Yeah, really fundamental. Type stuff. They know that they had to catch up and catch up quickly. But how did they? How should they go about that? Really? How do they get people on board when perhaps the senior team have been a little bit averse to digital training, have not got behind it before, but their their organisation had grown so much and rapidly, and very international that they realised the only way to to reach such a diverse audience was to distribute information or training digitally. But what a fantastic time to get involved, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've gone through all of the pain of where we've been over the last however many years, <laughs> you're just coming in when all the cool stuff's landing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. They can, they can shortcut some of the uh, mistakes that others have made and to leapfrog ahead if they choose to. Monica, if I could ask, if, were you expecting to see something that you didn't see? Does that make sense? No, I never know what to expect, really, at Learning Technologies. Um, it's been a few years now that, that there are different approaches, but the same underpinning technology that you see. But it's it's gotten a little bit more specific. So this year, I felt like the presentations and the, and the sessions actually did more demos and showed you what they were speaking about instead of the sort of overarching ideas. Right, so, so rather than speaking very theoretically as maybe we yes. have in the past, we're actually saying, ah, and here's an exact Taking use case for this, and, right? And demoing. And just on the point about the noise level, I think one of the, one of the takeaways that I certainly took away um, for Kineo is that the presentations that most of the concepts were visually represented on the board rather than the speaking bit really, really stuck with me more than the, the speaking um, because you couldn't hear. Um, if it was somehow represented on, uh, in the presentation slides, it was much easier to follow along because you were just watching. 
And that, that's something that I think we should take away as a company. I think that's an interesting observation, Monica, actually. I, I saw it in presentations as well, that you get some sort of strong visuals and up go the, the phones and then everybody would take the picture. I think people were struggling to hear. Yeah. Okay, so a bit of future gazing now then. So we're, we're all back to Excel next year. I'll make sure it doesn't clash with my holiday and I, I will come along with support. Um, what are we hoping to maybe see at the show next year or maybe something a bit different next year? Pete, what do you think? I think it would be really interesting to see how the demand from businesses to talent pool their users so they can help kind of plan for the future. So it would be really interesting to see how we use the data that we get from our learners engaging with learning experience platforms, LMSs, or just any kind of content, and how that, how businesses can use that data to, to talent pool their staff. Nice. And I think I'd like to see a bit more of, of that next year. Brilliant. Steve? I was going to say, I think the venue was really good, and it's worth the extra effort to go out to Docklands rather than across to, to Olympia. I think what I'd like to see is perhaps uh, some of those stands toned down a little bit in right. terms of their uh, broadcasts, such that actually you can hear what people are saying and, uh, and you can have a, a conversation on stand. It'd be nice to see the, the quality of the products take the forefront rather than the, the, the in-your-face loudness, is that what you're thinking? Yes, yeah, if people can tone down just the, the volume a little bit, and I think it gives a fair chance for everybody to, to, hear, to be heard. And finally, Monica, what do you want to see? Um, it's a bit of a personal note. I think one thing that I did take stock of, possibly because it's a bigger venue, is the size of the stalls and and the ma- tremendous amount of waste that seems to be happening afterwards. So I would like to see a more eco-friendly approach, maybe, to to the show and and some sustainability um, within you know within the values. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a fair place to uh, leave the conversation for today. Um, we'd love to hear what you thought of the show, for those of you that, that attended, and uh, you know what, what you think maybe you, you saw that was really useful and maybe what um, you want to see going forward. So do let us know. As usual, if you want to continue the conversation, you can catch up with us on Twitter, where we're at Kineo, or via our website, which is kineo.com.